Hey everyone, and welcome back to Exploring Kodawari, finally. Sorry for the delay in episodes, we recently moved from New York to Florida and just couldn't manage to squeeze in podcasting. But I hope 2021 is treating you well so far, and even though Larry David might get mad at me for saying this, Happy New Year to everyone. This episode is all about the psychology of New Year's resolutions, why we make them, and why so few of us actually keep them. Statistically, 80% of people will drop their resolutions by February, and the exercise app Strava has deemed that January 19th is Quitter's Day because of how many people stop logging their exercise by that date. So in this episode, Yanka and I talk through resolutions and where they go wrong. We talk about the tricky balance, or tension, between discipline and hard work on the one hand versus enjoying life in the present and having self-compassion on the other. As the French poet Guillaume Apollinaire says, now and then, it's good to pause in our pursuit of happiness and just be happy. But knowing when to pause and be happy and when to dig in and be disciplined can be hard, especially because our brains are so good at lying to us. And then digging deeper into resolutions, we also zoom into the psychological idea of what a sacrifice is, how discipline is really making a bargain with the future. Psychologically speaking, human beings had to discover the future. We are unique in that we became self-aware enough to conceive of ourselves and to conceive of the future, and even better, to realize that sacrificing our impulses in the present can lead to less suffering in the future. It seems obvious to our modern brains, but from the evolutionary perspective, it's quite an amazing discovery. Oh, and lastly, we decided to start a New Year's tradition for the podcast, since part of the Kodawari philosophy of our podcast is self-improvement, not arriving there, so to speak, but realizing the path is the goal type of thing. We thought we would also start a tradition of the first episode of the year being a check-in with the podcast philosophy and asking ourselves what the meaning of life is. I think it's interesting to check in with this question every year or so and see how your answer changes and evolves, because I think it's a mistake to settle down on an answer. In that sense, there's a weird way in which the key to meaning is to be not too sure about what the meaning is, something like that. All right, anyways, that's it for now. Please consider supporting us through the PayPal links on our website. There are links for that in the episode notes as well. Or you can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review in your podcasting app or just share the podcast with someone who you think might like it. All right, I hope your New Year's resolutions are realistic and going well and that you're not part of that 80%. And if you are, remember that New Year's is a made-up thing and you can start being better at whatever you want, whatever day you want, tomorrow at breakfast. All right, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Okay, Exploring Kodawari 2021 edition is now official. I'm nervous. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> I know. I'm excited, actually. Yeah. Uh, we are officially set up in our new apartment. If it sounds a little bit echoey, the room's a lot bigger, so we might have to deal with that. That's hard to fix in post, but <laughs> my apologies if it sounds echoey. If not, awesome. Apologies, um, big room. So we're now 21 days into New Year's. I figured it would be a good thing one to just check in like with the new year's attitude of like how's how's the concept of the podcast going and looking forward but and then also new year's resolutions right yeah 21 is did you make any yeah but hold on 21 is actually a very significant number do you remember i told you it's half the meaning of the universe i mean 42 yeah that's true but also um on this youtube video that i watched the approximate time that people give up on their new year's resolutions is on day 21. Oh, really? Yeah, it takes approximately so 21 days. Yeah, it takes appro approximately 21 days to build up a habit and then 
usually people like give up around the 21st day. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, I can't say that I formed any very specifically disciplined ones this year in terms of like do this every day or something. Knowing we were about to move, I knew that like too much chaos would be thrown at us I mean, in I'm, the first few weeks of January. I'm more busy just trying to get myself out of the bed. I think that's like a successful thing to do. That too. You mean just like uh, 2020 yeah. down in the doldrums kind of thing? Yep. In the middle of a pandemic, that's like too much. Yeah, even. but I, I meant also just knowing that like you're going to wake up sleeping on the floor with boxes everywhere and, you know, say you're going to leave at 8 a.m. and end up leaving at 1.30 p.m. You know, things like that are going to happen. There's just moving is so chaotic that I didn't expect to... Um, have January be a beautiful month of like up at seven every morning and start with yoga and do, you know, yeah. to build these. Go to farmer's market with our, Straws. you know, reusable bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Yeah. Just, just, and like smile at the birds as they land on the tree and on your way out the door. And um, yeah, from here, I think we can connect to the fact that like, it's really nice that if that's working for some people, but we, you and I, I think are very like, our personality types would not jive with like the, the sort because what what I would my my brain would end up seeing it as a a sort of obvious um, persona of who maybe some part of me wishes I could be, but it would have to block out too much of some other yeah, aspect too of much my of personality. Our personality. I, I don't even want to say like the nihilistic part, but maybe I do. No, I mean too much of our personalities about like what makes us us. We're yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like not in a bad way. I'm kind of happy with this. I think it's a sign of intelligence. I don't know we're messy people. Like our minds are messy. Like we're messy thinkers, like messy, like, I don't know, generally like, so tr I mean, trying to be like super structured, like 7 a.m. up, like, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely not sustainable. In terms of just like a, a specific, uh, obvious detail, let's say like the neatness of the apartment, I would say we balance the chaos order dichotomy pretty well like, we never let it go like beyond a certain but we're not like nazis about it or something exactly <laughs> i'm not gonna be like you know that's why hopefuls at 6 a.m is not gonna work for us <laughs> right um and definitely i think since we moved to a new apartment and like there's all these new routines things are in different places the garbage going out is a different thing you know you walk a little bit further you know all these little weird things are it takes you a week to figure out how the recyclables work. It's pretty much, yeah. And like a, a weird amount of research. <laughs> and um, it's like kind of a, a good chance to make a fresh start, which is sort of what New Year's resolutions, I think, are about. People have this idea that, ah, perfect. Come January 1st, it's like my past version of myself didn't exist. And I can just flip on a dime and become this new person, right? Yeah. That that thing, if it's nice if it could work, but I, I don't think it's realistic for most people. And that's probably where that 21-day failing thing comes in. Yeah. Like, I mean, the gym. If, you, if you've like, never been to the gym, don't say you're going to go five, six days a week. Yeah. Just make something very realistic, like two times a week, I will go. Not even just that. And if that like, ends I'm going to do my best. Like, that's... Well, no, you can't make it too vague. So, like, we'll get into this a little bit, but I, I think personally there's this fine razor thin balance balancing line between being too kind and forgiving to yourself and then having the discipline to stick to some rules that that your past self um made right true yeah it's just if you're too much then that's just no fun yeah. maybe you'll have some sh 
success, short and medium term, but I think longer, long term, the, the effect that has on your personality and it makes you a shittier person for people to hang out with and, and all of those things are just a, a net negative, I think, personally. You might decide I want to be super conscientious and work my way up the ladder at some company and, and make more money than, than Luke does playing the trumpet and teaching, right? Fine. Who am I to judge that? That If you're happy doing that, I just, I don't think I could be happy being so strict that I don't let myself exist in that gooey, more wiggly space of like, you know, bending the rules and staying up or not getting up early if, if you just decide, you know what, let's sleep in and not do the thing where we get up at seven with our farmer's market bags and <laughs> straw hats and, and you know, smile at the 7 a.m. world outside, you know, whereas me and you, if we have to leave at seven for something, we're just like, oh, get out the door. And you just kind of like zombie to the car and you're just like, can't believe this is what reality is right now. <laughs> we're just not morning people. Absolutely not. I'm, I've been really trying to get up earlier in the morning, but I am not a morning person. I think you can change that, but part of it is definitely genetics i think like my i know my parents are not morning people either like just we were always like breakfast was at like 10 i would say it's 10 genetics. was like early you know when i hear from people who do successfully get up like super early what they describe as the struggle i'm like i don't think you know what the morning struggle is like that's not what i go through i kind of see my brain on this edge of like life is meaningless what's the point of anything and then like something just like jolts me up and I'm like, if I just start doing things, the juices will start flowing. And but I usually enjoy they do. like what I do at night. Like I just really like it. I have a different kind yes. of appreciation towards life well, at night. Um, it's really weird how that works. Eric's fiance, my brother's fiance, uh, she starts like getting tired at 8 p.m. <laughs> and then like by 9 p.m. she's like getting ready for bed. And that's when I start going like, all right, I think I finally woke up for today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know people going to bed at 6 p.m. I'll tell you that much. That's just unbelievable. You know, if you worked a, a, a legit night job, you would probably go to bed at 6 and wake yeah. up at midnight and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely a biological clock thing that I think yeah, certain people... Maybe it can be messed with, but I don't know. I, I've heard that from a lot of people that they wake up at night and feel like they can have their most enjoyable moments of, of mind time, whether that's watching a TV show or mm -hmm. reading or doing, even doing work. If you're yeah. doing some kind of studying or something, you were asking me about my resolutions. So that was one of them for many, many years. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to like wake up at seven, like just go to bed. Like, and I'm going to guess from knowing you that none of them worked. <laughs> never happened. Yeah. I, I'm not going to fight with it anymore. I, I just thought of that today, by the way, like I was staring right outside that window and I'm like, I'm going to wake up early. Like, but not going to happen. I do have this weird category in my brain of like, um, when I make a rule and I know there's a good chance I might break it, I sort of tag it as something different than when I set a rule and I say, there's no way. I'm breaking this. And I'm very careful about at least keeping that category pure. Like, I don't think there's ever been a rule in my life that I've made in that sort of strictest of strict rules, like the category where there's like maybe three things there, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I've, um, because it's like pure, like it seems, well, if I put something in that category, I'll have to take it seriously. That's not the category where half of them get broken, mm -hmm. which is the other category of like, all right, I'm going to, we settled in. I'm going to try to get up like at this time every morning. And then you end up waking up at 4 a.m. for some reason and just stare out the window awake for an hour and a half. And then you <laughs> fall back to sleep. So the whole waking up at 7.30 thing just got 
thrown off course. And then when the alarm goes off at seven thirty, you're like, no chance, but I've earned it. I was up all night, you know, like you just play these like mind games. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of try to be more realistic about resolutions so that Same. when you break them, then the whole thing's tainted. You remember we talked about oaths and, and yeah. honor and stuff. Like if you, if you're if half of the oaths you take, you break, then the currency of that oath is, is, you know, like the Turkish lira is right now. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I thought before we get into the um, other, other concepts here of like what it means to make a resolution and be more disciplined and stuff, let's just do a quick check-in with like um, the, the vibe of the podcast. Like it's a new year. I thought maybe a question we should ask ourselves every year if we hopefully continue doing this. So the first episode of the new year, we can just come back to this question and see what, what our mind burps out at us kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like, what do you see as the meaning of life? Oh, that was like intense out of nowhere. For some reason, you know, the synchronicity of like a topic is on your mind and then it starts hitting you from all different directions. Mm -hmm. Just that happened to me this week. So I thought, interesting, like, Sometimes when I, I, I'm asked that question, like an answer burps to my mind immediately and feels really deep. And then sometimes I'm like, shit, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I do know there's no one meaning though. Like there are a lot of things when they come together, they bring meaning, but there's no one meaning. Like meaning is this, like, I don't think that's true. Also, I think it might be different for a lot of people. Some, for some people, like, I don't know. My dad would always say like my kids. Like maybe it's, it seems like a very shallow answer, but. I wouldn't say that's same. shallow. That's probably the deepest, most hardwired uh, connection we have as humans, right? Yeah. The thing that you find by default meaningful, you don't have to have reasons. Something like that. I don't know. So I was listening to this um, Manelis Kellis. He's this geneticist from MIT, but he's really like knowledgeable about music. I don't, I think he might do some. So he's something in music too. Like he was very, he, he could talk about music and, um, and then he, after the, music one the one. Well, I, I just mean like he would, I, I have to look him up further. Um, he, he was quite an interesting guy, very passionate and just very like good, positive energy. It made me feel better today listening to it. And he was talking about the meaning of life and trying to find meaning and meaning in music and all this stuff. And, then he said something like the searching for meaning is the point, not the finding of meaning. Once you find it, you're dead. Like yeah. once you think you have encapsulated meaning and this is what it is, then you, you've missed the point, you know, That's not that you're literally dead, but you, you've yeah. just forgotten what meaning is. I mean, like big zoomed out meaning, right? Yeah. I mean, also what keeps you driving is searching for that meaning. Like if you think you arrived to then that like what do you do what do you yeah that's what, do you what do i mean like then up? it's everything is meaningless because you found the meaning you know right yeah he said quote or he was quoting someone else maybe but he said life is lived forward but it only makes sense backwards life is lived forward but it only makes sense backwards it's like we we attribute meaning by looking to the past and building the chain of events and saying we notice the details that are relevant oh, right yeah See. And the future is the search for meaning and it's very too much unknown in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And that is also very similar to, to, for me to the um, meditation thing where they say 
the, the path is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. There's no arrival at the mountain of enlightenment where you then get to be happy, right? As they say, enlightenment is the final disappointment. Mm-hmm. Once you get it, you realize um, you're unsatisfied with it, right? <laughs> or something like that. Um, so that's what I'm going to say this year. We'll, uh, we'll see what I say next next year. Um, I was going to say something else this year, but I guess I'll save it for next year. Ah, uh, Sure. <laughs> Uh, oh, the other answer is 42. Have you heard the whole thing about 42? I have at some point. I don't know. So I'll, I'll link some, some, actually it was this Manelis Kellis guy that was freaking me out today. So 42 is the number given in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy f- for the meaning of the universe. They asked mm-hmm. the computer, what's the meaning of the universe? Wait, I, I read this book actually. And it, it takes, remember. I think it takes like thousands of years to answer. Mm-hmm. And then finally it spits out 42. Mm-hmm. And they don't even remember what the question was at that point, right? <laughs> And, but this concept of like, what's the me- meaning of life? What's the answer to the universe? Like 42. And then this guy started going through all of these like funky places that the number 42 show up. Mm-hmm. Now, of course it could be a coincidence, but some of them were just like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the number of proteins on this kind of amino acid or the number of this, like in molecular chemistry, um, uh, the the uh, numeric symbol in a computer that I think it's the ASCII symbol for the star mm-hmm. is 42, right? Like stars. Um, and then I know that the answer to the Drake equation, which was a search for how many intelligent civilizations might be out in the universe, where you, you put rough approximations into this, this equation and try to figure out how many stars are there, how many have planets, how many of those planets could be habitable, all these details. And when he did this in the 1970s or something, the Drake equation, the number he came up with was 42. Like there's probably roughly on average 42 intelligent civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy, something like that. So anyways, this number 42 thing was freaking me out. So maybe that's, if we're in a simulation, then that whole meaning of the universe thing changes its spin a little bit, right? (laughs) There could be some intelligent programmer behind the whole thing. I mean, entirely possible, yeah. It's like The Sims, probably. (laughs) Also possible is that we are the programmer that became self-aware within his own creation. I love how in every episode we find a way to mention (laughs) this. I don't know. Hey, man. (laughs) I don't know what to say. All right. So the first um, thing that popped into my uh, consciousness when it came to uh, these New Year's resolutions, and I sent this out on our newsletter, was an episode of the Beautiful Anonymous podcast. Have you, yeah, you, oh, you were in the car with me, duh. <laughs> so we listened to this on the way down from New York to Miami. And um, it was basically, I don't know how many people, maybe 60 people. I think you said 100, no? I, I bet it was 60. Like yeah, we were 60, halfway through, I think, Bell. Each one's a minute. <laughs> so basically people call in and have one minute to talk to this person, the host, anonymously. And they just say what their New Year's resolution is for the year or something. One person said, like, my resolution is to not have any resolutions, just to, like, live whatever comes at me, right? Don't try to uh, go out with this strong force that's going to manipulate reality and make my way. It's sort of, like, float there and wait to see where where the the current takes you. Yeah, because we rarely want to do that we always want to like not flow with the flow like you always wanna we want to control everything swim upstream it's lift up your legs and float downstream remember that that saying it's sort of like a just let go and go with the flow right sometimes you shouldn't i don't know but um if you're someone who was too conscientious in 2020 
which show me that person jeez um my favorite one was the um i'm gonna make the perfect pancake someone said yes this. that was my favorite too somebody called in and said um my new year's resolution is i want to make the perfect pancake and then she sounded so enthusiastic you know i want to yeah. make the perfect and then like for some reason we both i mean not for for some reason obviously we were on i-95 in florida for, like, the, oh, for the million hours that it feels like and that was like the one joyful moment i remember <laughs> <laughs> hearing the pancake thing it just surprised me so much you know uh, that was that was a good one. So I, I recommend listening to that episode to hear like just what different people's tones of voices and their, you know, like what they say. And it, it just made me kind of, it, I haven't listened to this podcast in a while. It's a great concept. Normally yeah. it gets really deep and dark and stuff. It gave me such perspective. Like it, it gave me such like vast open feeling knowing that all these people are going through life. They're, they're feeling the same stories. Thing. They have like, although they have like very individual stories, we all feel and seek for the same things. Same you know, basic equation. Yeah, of being and a then human. I yeah. feel very on. I felt very understood listening to it. Yeah, you're even like, though hey, I'm he, aware, here's at least sixty people that seem to be going through similar um, internal struggles or yeah. external or struggles worse, or whatever. Or yeah, everything. But I like the the the, the format of just like a minute too. Mm -hmm. It's like. You don't get bored with anyone and <laughs> most of them are just normal and whatever, but it's only in a minute and you don't get bored. And then some of them are just wild. And like, I, there's like maybe like out of a 60 person, like 60 people calling in, probably like two or three of them, I'd be like, I, I would get a beer with that person that, you know, they seem, they seem funky, you know? <laughs> Wait, somebody said something like, read a funky book, right? <laughs> I was like, what's a funky <laughs> book? What do you mean? Yeah, I, I don't remember that book. Um, so there was that one. And then there's also the hidden brain, uh, which is an NPR podcast that, um, I listened to probably like every other episode or something like that. Um, this one was about a surprising way that uh, a surprising thing that makes you more disciplined to keep things like resolutions and to just, um, you know, be more sacrificing of pre the present and just gratifying yourself in the present and, and aiming more at the future. And it was this weird concept of how gratitude seems to play a huge part in how successfully you are able to sacrifice the present for the future. Hmm. So it starts with the concept of um, the marshmallow experiment. You've heard of that, right? Yeah, isn't this okay? Give kids a marshmallow and be like, oh, you're going to get Or a pretzel two. stick. I think they figured out which one they like more and then... I see or maybe not a pretzel stick. Kids don't I really like those. Is marshmallow? Isn't it? Most of them pick marshmallows because they're delicious. Oh, Trigger. the version that I know is: oh, I'm gonna put a marshmallow here, and if you wait for five minutes, you're gonna get two, but you can choose to eat it now. I think it was 15 minutes. Yeah, that's it. That's the basic idea. So the kids presented with like, eat the marshmallow whenever you want, but if if I come back when I come back, if the marshmallow is mm -hmm. still there, you'll get a second one. Mm -hmm. um, and then from what I know the kids that immediately ate the marshmallow. Like, I, I think they came to the conclusion that the kids chose the weight, like were more successful in life. I, yeah. I mean, in that, what way, in what form, who knows? Well, but. Uh, um, so when they came back and checked in on the, 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 the same, I think it was only 32 kids, but the ones that, like you said, the ones that had um, waited the 15 minutes and eaten the two, uh, generally speaking, did better on... SAT scores, got higher educational attainment through like college and masters and stuff, um, were healthier. They had a better body mass index or whatever. Um, and 
I think that it's a little controversial of a study, but the basic idea has been re reproduced many times of testing the ability of uh, the brain to to um, attenuate impulses in the present, right? Like just grabbing for the marshmallow at the level where the marshmallow is at the grocery store. It's still in like conceptual land, right? Should I go get the candy I'm craving? No, no, I shouldn't. I should. I should, I, I can treat myself once a week and I should wait until Tuesday or something. I already did it this week. Um, and then, and then it goes away and then it comes back and starts poking you and you're like, oh, but I would love to have some ice cream right now or something. And then you, you go, no, no, no. But when the thing is right in front of you on the table, it's not just this little poking it's like the wave of impulse moves through your arm and you're you're almost feeling your arm go to grab the marshmallow without you, yeah, right? I know that feeling. And it's in your mouth before so you... So well. I mean, as an adult, I'll tell you that much. Like whenever I'm at a party or something and if there's like a bowl of like chips or something, yeah. sometimes that's the only thing I can think of. Like it's so weird. I'm like, yeah, it's like, is it socially awkward that I keep reaching like i think people are judging me or like see but you have you have a, a pretty good relationship to your like you know that like food just turns your brain into this like predator mode you're like ah! and you can you've you've learned how to um oh, I can work be with very that in a disciplined way on, i'm so aware that i cannot control myself like not that i cannot that's well too extreme you've I'm learned not, how like, to tame like, that beast right, right? yeah there's a, a brain defect in the amygdala and I think they can maybe even induce this in animals or something. But like when this part of your brain stops working, you always feel thirsty, right? Oh yeah, that's a thing. It's Remember not that, that you don't know that you're full of water. It's that you actively feel thirsty like Dumbledore after he fucking <laughs> drinks the water in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and you just drown yourself to death by drinking too much water, right? So the brain it, can just give you these impulses that control your behavior. Yeah. The, oh, the Teze in Turkey, that, yeah. the one that ate the wall or the one that... <laughs> no, that, that's also a psychological thing, I think. But no, she was like thirsty. She was drinking like gallons of water. That's it. I thought you saw the video. But so whatever. I think I have, but um, I kind of confuse all Teze videos. Teze is just like <laughs> older Turkish women. Um, they're all in the same category of like weird Teze video. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the marshmallow experiment has been repeated in different ways. It's just famously called that. And this guy that was on Hidden Brain, David Desteno, he's a psychologist at Northeastern. He, um, has done these studies with adults actually. And the way they do it with adults is obviously not marshmallows or ice cream or something, but they use money mm -hmm. and they say like, you can get $17 now or today walk out of here with $17 or leave your info and we'll mail you a check for a hundred dollars, uh, mm -hmm. in a year. In a year. And they play with the numbers a little bit. And like, I think it, when it gets to, to a low enough number, they, they say, wait for the hundred dollars, right? Mm -hmm. If you're worried about going to the grocery store to have enough money for dinner, you're probably going to take the $17. You don't have time to wait for a year. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's those factors too. And then he started playing around with like what kinds of, priming that you do beforehand to these people will affect how they do on these right mm -hmm. and it turns out that um instead of thinking of emotions as the enemy like you know you just want that ice cream right now but you said no ice cream in january whatever your your thing was right mm -hmm. or no more ice cream ever right which whew, 
come on, once in a while you should have ice cream. Um, you you think of it like your emotions are your enemy, right? Like, oh, I just emotionally want this and my logical brain has to remember I made this deal, I'm trying to lose weight, sacrifice the present so I can have a better future where I'm healthier or whatever. And he, he, his point was um, he found that gratitude as an emotion actually helps you um, make these better uh, short-term sacrifices for long-term benefit equations. So um, you could put people into a state of gratitude by just having them go through a questionnaire or just think about this and, you know, basically do like a gratitude meditation with them. And then when they do these same um, studies, uh, what was it? I think it doubled it. Yeah. And what we found was when they were feeling grateful with, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I can find these studies and link them if you care about looking at the details, but um, they they were making the decisions right after they, they were told to reflect on something they were grateful for. Mm -hmm. It doubled their self-control in the presence. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, obviously. Yeah. I it, it doesn't make sense logically, but it just makes sense when I think to my own when I have that bigger picture gratefulness yeah. towards life. When I'm thing. feeling grateful or I'm doing a gratefulness meditation. Yeah. That definitely I'm more likely me. to make the healthier decision yeah. that has a longer term benefit, even if that longer term is like just tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I, instead of staying up and watching a TV show again and, and just, you know, delaying tomorrow, I think more of like, I will go to bed at this proper time and give my body a rest. Thank you, body, for taking care of me all these years. You know, you have more of that, like, sort of, like, uh, you recalibrate your short-term, long-term equation. Instead of buying the ice cream yesterday. <laughs> I didn't buy the ice cream yesterday. I know yesterday. you didn't. That's I right. came home and I was like, I was Yanka, so disappointed. Um, when I was at the grocery store, I was trying to find a really great snack for you and her eyes lit up. And I was like, <laughs> but I didn't because I was trying to be more disciplined and the, the look of like meaninglessness that hit your eyes when you found out there wasn't a snack, <laughs> but we have some cheese tonight. So, <laughs> so then the other, the other um, thing this brought to mind for me was uh, in, in his Bible lectures, Jordan Peterson talks about, um, something like his quote would be something like uh, the, the greatest discovery human beings ever made was discovering the future, meaning discovering that the future exists. Like as we wolves don't really have a concept of the future, right? Mm -hmm. They eat as much as they can. Then the next wolf down the pack gets to have their pecking order at the, the carcass or whatever. Um, they don't think, let me save some of this meat, bury it under the snow in case um, the winter's tough, we might need to come back to this later. Yeah. Right? Have those concepts. Um, I mean, some animals do, not wolves, for sure. Well, what what other animals do? Do you mean like squirrels nesting yeah. away nuts? But, like, but that's just a behavior. I wouldn't say that's them. Like all animals do things so that they survive in the future, right? Yeah. Like eating is just a way to survive. But you wouldn't say they eat because they know they they need to survive in the future, right? There can be behavior without um, understanding I, the behavior. Yeah, I mean, of course, they're probably not. Like wolves act out all sorts of things that they don't understand, like complex hierarchies of alpha wolf and all how the pack works and who who gets mating rights and all of these things, chimpanzees the same way. 
mean, who knows what the flicker of consciousness is for a chimpanzee type creature. Mm -hmm. But I think it's safe to say that our ability to conceive of the future, I mean, we could sit here right now and think of tomorrow. We could also think of next year. We could also think of like, yeah, they don't have any extinction of humans. Right. And we, we, we can even think about the, the, the very heat death end of the universe where the whole thing's expanded and cooled off and it's just empty darkness. Like chimps probably are, not too worried about They're the like, heat oh, death banana. of the universe. What's yeah. up, Georgie? Yeah. <laughs> you have a new game. George the monkey. Um, I'll, if I can remember to link that. Uh, I, we don't have to, I mean, we, we should definitely link George. <laughs> yeah, George. Yeah, I was like, we don't have in, to. I think let's link a George video in every podcast episode just, yeah. just to make everyone's yeah. life better. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously the, the, the Bible is what the Bible is, but... Um, I love hearing him go through some of the concepts and you think, all right, well, this I, this is a book that's written by human beings. I, I don't know what the concept of God would mean and what it would mean for God to have written a book through, you know. But if you think of it just from an evolutionary perspective, that human beings were these hunter-gatherer people in, in tribes of like 50 to 100 humans for 70,000 years were just kind of hunting and gathering and having these complex social developments of language, maybe music came first, then language, like grunting and melody and intonation and then language. And, you know, just you have to imagine the time scale of 50,000 years or something. Mm -hmm. And slowly over that time, and of course, when human beings settled down 10,000 years ago and started to do agriculture so they could make cities and all this stuff, um, people observed successful people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we evolved, basically. Yeah. The so successful people's behavior is the right type of behavior. In in, um, in this book I'm reading right now, The Elephant in the Brain, about um, the motives inside your brain and stuff, the hidden motives. Um, and the chapter I'm on, it was talking about the parable of the redwood trees. The redwood trees are those giant sequoia trees in... Um, California. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those? No. They're like as wide as our apartment. Wow. The base chunk of it. I like it think. takes like six, seven humans, I think, to reach around it, like linking arms. Huh. And they grow insanely tall, right? Mm-hmm. That's so expensive for a tree to do. It takes so much energy to grow that much. Mm-hmm. But it does that because of competition, right? Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get more sunlight and they grow in competition. Otherwise, you would never see a tree that tall in the middle of like a regular forest, right? Human beings also were competing with each other and trying out all different sorts of strategies. And the competition, our, our, the metaphor of the, the tree height would be our intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And enacting out ways of living that were more and more successful. So we have our brains evolving, but also the culture, the software that runs in our brain evolving and changing over time and customs and how you live life and how you make meaning and make family units and all this cultural behavior, right? How you eat food. So many of the religious rules where you can't eat this was more like a food safety thing from oh, way back when, you yeah. know? The, I mean, pork for Muslims. Yes, yeah. exactly. So the idea is like all that behavior over so many thousands and thousands of generations, people observe successful behavior, what works, right? And mm-hmm. start to mimic it and adapt and, and pick it up and, and, probably one of the most fundamental concepts deep down in the brain that humans figured out was to sacrifice the present for the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
as a concept, it seems obvious to us because the answer was given to you from, from such a young age. But imagine having to discover that for the first time if you're just like a chimp, right? Mm-hmm. How does that, you know, when they show like the chimp gets smart and Planet of the Apes or <laughs> maybe it was some other movie, but they sort of show like the like the the brain connection happen or something and then all of a sudden like awareness comes online or something uh-huh. i don't know what movie i was I thinking no of idea. but king kong no <laughs> just as an idea so it's this discovery of the future right which is really just a way of another way of saying self-awareness right uh-huh. you're aware of yourself then you, you you're aware of your boundaries right in space and then also in time right you start to not just be lost in what you're doing and behaving it, but you're abstracted away from it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm making a podcast. I'm not just making a podcast, right? So in the Adam and Eve story, this is the analogous moment to eating the apple they, they, you know this, you know this. Yeah, I do. You eat the, what was it? Forbidden Forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit. Yeah. Yeah. From the tree of knowledge. Yeah. And what is the knowledge? It's the knowledge of all dualities. If you think about it, right. At first it's just the knowledge of, um, they, they, they become aware that they're naked. That's what the book says, which Mm -hmm. is just an old weird way to say like you're, you become self-conscious, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They cover themselves up. Right which is also like I'm self-conscious and I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I can be hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you know you can be hurt, you realize you you can also hurt others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the knowledge that that's the birthing of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go out in the world and hurt others or do you want to you know, stop them from hurting, right? Yeah. Increase suffering or decrease suffering. So you become aware of all of these things once once you become self-aware, right? You also become aware of the past and the future. And that the present needs work so that the future has less suffering, right? So the two things that freaked me out a little bit, and this is sort of like the number 42 meaning of the universe thing, Mm -hmm. but there are two hypotheses for why we developed such detailed colored vision. One is um, snake detection. So our ancestors' biggest predator, certainly one of the biggest was snakes, right? Mm-hmm. Snakes hunt monkeys in trees. They hunt monkeys when they're on the ground. Mm-hmm. Snakes can kill a bigger organism just by biting it, right? Poisonous. Mm-hmm. We all have this instinctual fear of snakes, right? Yeah. Evil in mythology is represented with snakes, right? Mm-hmm. In the Garden of Eden, it was like the devil himself, I guess, right? Yeah. So the snake tempts Eve to get the apple from the tree of knowledge. Oh. So that... The snake played a part in our vision, realizing, becoming self-aware and self-conscious, right? Mm-hmm. Vision. And that's that's why we have better color vision in the lower half of our visual field than the upper half. Because uh-huh. it's for spotting the camouflage of snakes on the ground. And then what's the other thing that evolved our color vision was fruit, right? Ripe fruit. Oh, yeah. You want to see red. the ones that are not like, po- not poisonous, but also... Well, you just want to see that's the color of rotten. fruit so you yeah. know which ones to pick and which ones to yeah, eat, right? That's interesting. And, and that's why red is an attractive color. That's why women make their face like red, you know, rougey cheeks and red lipstick often. Like it's, it's, it draws the attention in, right? You're, so it's, it's just a funny coincidence that an old book written by humans just weirdly encoding some 
knowledge about life, some lessons about life, whatever the Bible is, like a, a meta story about life, they, they include these details that later become like scientifically true, you know? Um, the, the uh, I don't know if I wrote it down here, but I'll link it. The, the snake thing is a whole book. It's called like Snake Detection and the Colored Visions of Human Beings or something. Like, um, it's quite interesting that why would we have color vision if we don't need it? right? Mm -hmm. You have things that you need. Things are expensive in evolutionary terms and you only get new skills if you need them. And we, we needed to detect snakes. It helps you survive when you can spot a snake and warn the other people, right? Yeah. And then snakes developed camouflage to try and hide from us. And then our vision got better to try to detect that better camouflage. And it's called an evolutionary arms race, right? Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's just a weird side detail <laughs> into the Garden of Eden about like, you know, the, the sort of biblical like thing he traces to like the moment that human beings discovered the future. Right. Mm -hmm. The other story of sacrifice is the Cain and Abel one. Right. Oh, is, yeah. Is um, that the same one as. So, our, so like, Adam and Eve um, were kicked out of the garden of Eden because they ate from the tree of knowledge, disobeyed God. Right. Their children were Cain and Abel. So Cain and Abel are like the first actual human beings. Adam and Eve are like these weird, you know, God creations, right? Okay. Cain and Abel were the brothers, right? Abel is every sacrifice he made. And by the way, that, that, that's what this, that second story is about sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just, what is a sacrifice? Uh, I don't know. You define it. You, you define it. I'm just asking you for, for like, it's, not like the I, dictionary definition, but like when you hear that word or what is the word in Turkish and what, what conceptually does it like spark up for you? <laughs> okay. I mean, we were just talking about it's a sp very specific type of sacrifice that it's obviously in your culture. Yeah. Right now the word triggers because of what we talked about recently is sacrificing an animal out of nowhere. Like, Hey, but it's all over the Bible too. Sacrificing a lamb, right? Yeah, it's in the, it's the, it's the same story in Quran as well, basically. Um, Worthy is the lamb that was slain, right? That's the sure. last. <laughs> I don't know. Co is it? Chorus of, of uh, Messiah. Oh, I see. Um, well, it's the story, same story, I think, right? The guy, God wants like this guy to sacrifice his son. And as he's about to do it, like he sends a sheep. At least this is the Quran version from what I know. And then, I it says, mean, like, so sacrifice this sheep instead of your son, type of thing. I think the Vikings also did lots of animal sacrifice. Um, basically, it's, it seems to be a very like pagan type of behavior. Yeah. And I almost wonder if, as I was saying, like the fifty thousand plus years of people observing behavior and and basically observing that the kinds of people that can sacrifice gratification in the present, not just doing immediately what serves you, mm -hmm. but having that longer term vision, the discipline to curtail the emotional drives that control your behavior in the present to aim at a, a bigger idea in the future. Yeah. People saw that that was successful, right? Yeah. And so maybe the sacrificing of like a lamb or something in some ceremony is like a ceremonial reminder that you have to let certain things in the present be and don't just, you know, be an idiot and, and, and follow your basest instincts. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's a really nice meaning behind it. 
again, I think it's... Um, well, the specific one in what you're talking about, um, you actually eat it, right? I mean, no. no I don't, don't mean you. I mean people. You Yeah, but you give it to people in that's need, what I basically. Mean. So, that's so like somebody's nice eating idea. it. Yeah. Because often animal sacrifices are just sacrificing it and like giving it to God, so to speak. Oh, no. Like for you're us, literally saying we won't eat that. It, we're, we're, no, you're feeding like people in need. Like you're sacrificing just, an actual human being, right? <laughs> Yeah. That there there are pagan I mean, cultures I know. that we did have that. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Right of Spring. <laughs> Game of Thrones, Right of Spring. Yeah. Um so we were saying I won't talk about the relationship between discipline and sacrifice. That's I think a nice topic. Yeah. It's 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 like almost like they define each other, right? Yeah. You basically have to sacrifice something. From present, I think you that you sort of said something similar to this just now. So, um, this this is a quote from the that Peterson lecture. Um, you're not disciplined if you just do something you want more rather than something that you're doing. So let's say you know, like I I I told myself I wouldn't eat ice cream. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm just gonna go have cookies. It's like yeah. this is the same thing. Like you you could want the cookies just as much as the ice cream. You're not really sacrificing, yeah. right? Um. Or flip that around and make it cookies, ice cream, whichever way the <laughs> equation works for you. It depends what you like more. Um, and it's not discipline, right? Mm-hmm. D- discipline is you look into the future and you decide that when you make today less impulsive, tomorrow will work out better. Yeah. But to and what you to extent? You know what I mean? Like, how do you find the balance? Like, for instance, when I'm thinking about with our education i won't say r but specifically like if you start at a young age like on a music like let's say you're playing an instrument seriously not just stupid private lessons but more like what how i did for for instance like it was very serious aiming at a career in music from a young age yeah i was always it was always taught to us as like you got to sacrifice from like you know now just that's always been the concept if you want to like be successful you gotta like do this do that like my friends would like you know go out like whatever swim in the pool like just chill i would be practicing you know stuff like that but then if you grow up with this concept blindly when you make it to a certain age you just crack you have like a weird moment of like okay yeah, so it's to out what of balance. extent yeah mine was never out of balance to be but like honest like my mom quite was a fun teenage Years. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, my mom was very, like, not nonchalant, like, super chill. Like, she was never, like, a tiger mom. Like, she was the opposite. She's like, okay, please come out of the room. Let's, like, have fun type of thing. So, mine was very balanced, I think. But even in that scenario, like, I hit a certain age where I'm like, wait, why do I delay <laughs> gratification constantly? Or, like, yeah. why do I just constantly, like, chase something? That's I was probably a- too disciplined um, until age 21 22 and then i started to realize the value of just bringing more fun and joy and letting go and those kinds of things you know not you know i would say no to going to parties because i thought i should practice for a third time today like (laughs) but something was wired in me like um you know your future self will hate you when they're unsuccessful so interesting because you decided things like this i mean i totally understand the psychology it's just for me i almost always knew when to stop i and i ne- almost never i never hated myself i had myself. to learn how to stop i see i never hated myself i would always like fully commit mm. like that's one thing well, there are yeah. a lot of things i'm ashamed of about my personality where i want to change ashamed is a strong word but i'm like oh like i wish i wasn't no, like you this. should be ashamed 
<laughs> Thanks. But this one single thing, if I'm committing to it, I'm like, okay, I, I just never regret or hate myself because I'm like, like oh, if this- you're going to go on a vacation, you're not going to go, but then also be like, oh, yeah, uh, I yeah. yeah, I fully commit. I'm like, okay, done. Yeah, God, be on I'm vacation. Like, yeah. So I have been. Yeah, I had to learn how to do that. It, it took me a while. Like if I went on like a weekend away, I would bring my trumpets with me because I didn't want to not play for two days. And you also bring all your coffee stuff <laughs> grinder. It's not anymore, really. I stopped doing that. I just grabbed coffee from the gas station. I don't have the time to set it all Love up. Learning. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, you know, sometimes I'll still bring it with me if it's just like <laughs> I want to practice or I have something, a real reason. But this would be like the summer when I could take two weeks off and it would be fine. But in my head, I was like, if I take a day off, like but also my, whole, instruments. my whole thing will be ruined. And I just felt like physically, but also like now if, if I take a few days off, it's like a great thing. It usually resets something mentally with which reset something physically i play better you know my past self would like freak out to know that like i think when we were moving i didn't play for like four days Mm -hmm. of course the first day back felt like crap but then by day number two it was already coming back and feeling like just relaxed my shoulders were like more relaxed like so many bullshit little habits cleared out of my system it i wouldn't want to go play a concert because you feel out of shape endurance wise Mm -hmm. but like you know, I never would have had the um, wisdom to see that taking time off and, and just resetting and enjoying yourself can be more valuable for the future, right? So uh, is that a sacrifice? Probably not. Like it's more fun to go on vacation and drink beer on the beach than to practice and, and say, I can't go on that vacation. Beyond a certain age, that's not how it works with your instrument. But you also... Yeah, as a it, kid, it, if you make too many of those sacrifices, that, then you the can't thing. be anything. And I think my, my brain saw it as like a um, all or nothing kind of thing. It's like yeah. either I'm going to say yes all the time and start going to parties and having fun, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to stay home and practice till 10, 10 p.m. and just watch watch something on TV and, and then wake up and practice and mm-hmm. keep repeating that because seems to be making me better and you're kind of scared to get out of that routine you know yeah, yeah i don't know so definitely now i have a different relationship with discipline and i have to keep myself i'm always careful like i can go too far into the discipline thing and i just become an asshole to be around mm-hmm. um you probably witnessed that sometimes oh, maybe yeah. have you oh that's weird interesting <laughs> <laughs> let's change it <laughs> and 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 Sometimes that discipline though gets me to get things done when I really need to get something done. I can do it in mm-hmm. I can do it in two hours. Yeah, you have a very intense discipline. I think Yeah. Like But that's why it's a weird thing that I have had to learn to contend with. Like yeah. more consistent and less like more, less dialed up discipline, I think is I get it dialed up for time. very short periods of time. Oh, I have the same thing too, but And then I'm like, This is this is too far. I'm gonna start to resent myself and mm-hmm. you know, again, life is the journey life is the journey yeah. uh, i couldn't even say it. life is the process it's not the arrivals right mm-hmm. so you start to realize no, no no like like i i shouldn't be too unhappy and just you know numbly disciplined in the present aiming at some arrival in the future that never comes you know i mean you can get hit by a car any <laughs> second like congrats you practiced all your scale yes, for exactly. eight hours like, yeah, yeah good for you also you're not gonna bring the beauty of and meaning of life into the playing of music that you do 
if all you're doing is yeah. is you're consumed by one thing, you have to poke your brain with all these other things. I mean, but that's like the wisdom that I didn't realize till a, an older age. Yeah, like sometimes like what I witness in certain people is like, they don't have the sense of humor. Like I, I can't, don't say for people that like are in this language because I usually cannot, I mean, I sort of can tell, but like you can I tell, can but tell you, very well time. in my language. Like if I'm throwing something at their way and if, like, you know, they're catching just it catching or it or like looking at me like even that. just like a funny eye contact. You're like, you got that. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> there are certain people like I click immediately in terms of humor. Like if, even though we don't like, I'm mean, not super close or like, I don't have to love the person. Like you click so well with them humor wise. So like, you know, and I, what's making me so sad is there's so many people that are just missing that. Like, what is the meaning again? Like, I think you're missing the meaning. Like if you're missing sense of humor, that's like a very meaningful thing for me. Yeah. I think, um, not just towards music, but towards life. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Not yeah, okay. towards music at all. But I, I also like towards music. Like if, if you take any of this stuff too seriously, like you, you I think you're, you're, you're going to burn out. Right. But in terms of life, yeah, it's the, it's the gooey prickly thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Alan Watts said there are fundamentally two types of people, gooey people and prickly people. <laughs> right. And the, the gooey people don't like, don't like categories too neat. They like things overlapping and, and they, they don't like rules with firm boundaries and all this stuff. No, I think I'm pretty gooey. So well, I think we're both pretty gooey and we both, uh, certainly we have our happiest moments when we're being gooey. Right. But for me personally, because of the way my brain's wired, I know that I have to, I can only enjoy swimming in gooey land when I've properly crossed my T's and dotted my I's in prickly land that day. Like at least on the day, day basis, or of course vacation can be a different thing, but on the day basis, like I love to balance the day with like getting a lot of stuff done and feeling like I was very prickly about getting the things I needed to get done. I emailed everything that I was supposed to reply to and those kinds of things, right? And then you go, ah. And then you allow yourself to to take off the tie. Then you get hit by a car. Take off and the jacket. And you get hit by a, in this weird metaphor of <laughs> mental land. <laughs> yeah, you get hit by a car. I just remembered. Remember Michael Scott improving, just constantly pulling up a gun. Oh yes. Just why do you remember that? I don't know. Oh. Like I try to I started ending everything with hit by a car. That's why. Gotcha. Anyway. Um yeah. So what I'm saying is I totally understand the need for that in you. And like I respect that a lot about you. But I think I mean we're not in the podcast criticizing each other, but like I think like it can go sometimes like really far. Like you tyrannically you know, like, far i really like you know young you don't get this like just this stuff like that like when i'm like oh like you're applying for like well maybe I don't i'm know, right mv something like chill the chill out look like it's okay <laughs> well when i'm focusing on documents like i have like definitely like attend my it's hard to keep my attention like settled like i can settle it once i find a focus but if there's like constant like sounds around me I can't even read a paragraph. I can't, I can't block things out. I, I know, need quiet. Like, geez, like, you know, can someone get like some space? And then I look at the computer screen, you're looking at like coffee filters or something. <laughs> but I'm trying to read like, like a paragraph review for like a coffee thing. And that's a 
another I, thing. I literally you read, read a paragraph of review for like coffee things, for instance. <laughs> you can get hit by a car any second. Again, I'm reminding you. Okay. Do you want some of the coffee I'm going to make tomorrow morning? Yeah. Not so fast. Um, it, uh, even I, I'll read that paragraph 15 times. And on the 15th time, I'm like, I still don't know what it said. Because like... Well, guess what? We all are like that because our attention spans are burned because of other things, not yeah. because of like me I've, pouring I've, I've water. I've always had that like, though. Like once I can focus on something, it, it, I, I have a very sharp focus and I can mm-hmm. really put a lot of information into my head and, and remember it and stuff. But my problem is it's very hard to to stay focused if like, you know... I'm hearing even like somebody landscaping outside and, and doing a leaf blower or whatever. <laughs> like every time I hear the sound go like, I just forget everything I just read in the last 10 seconds. I'm like, and then my blood you pressure starts going up. You have such sharp focus. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm saying like in, in a quiet focus, space. Okay. Or if I put like earplugs in and play like um, white noise and headphones or something, I can sort of find that focus. Um, I guess I just, I should probably be rich enough to buy like some mountain cabin or something if I need to get work done. Where am I going to live? <laughs> You're invited once in a while. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other thought I had was I, I sometimes inject myself with the opposite. So when I notice I'm being a little bit too um, loosey-goosey with my discipline, mm-hmm. I'm making too many of those like, yeah, man, I'll come meet you at the bar. Where are you? You know? Or too many of those, oh, I'll let these soak for <laughs> Three more days. Yeah. Oh, these dishes, no, they'll be there in the morning. No worries. And it's funny because when you're in that opposite mode, the the path forward is obvious. It's like, of course I'll do the dishes now. I'm going to be so happy when I wake up and see the kitchen sparkling clean and ready for a new day. But the other version of yourself is like, eh, whatever. (laughs) And like both seem very appropriate in the moment you feel them. So when I notice I'm too one way or too the other way, I try to inject myself with the opposite, right? So if I'm too disciplined, I try to find a, a comedian type podcast that I really love or, you know, like Duncan Trussell. I love listening to him. He puts me in like a wiggly, goofy mood, stand-up comedy or something, whatever. I'll just do something to try to get myself to just let go and be like, whatever, I'm done for today. So what if it's 5 p.m.? I'm going to go drink beer on the beach and listen to music and just chill in my chair and, you know, be present and, you know, forgive myself, kind of all that good stuff. But then on the opposite end, if I need more discipline, I'll watch like, you know, Jocko Willink, you know him? Oh, yeah, I do. Right? Um, David Goggins, these these are both ex-Navy SEALs and they have these Instagram accounts that will just make you feel like a piece of shit. Like Jocko Willink, he, he has 4am. Like, every, every, out, like, his Instagram is filled with uh, pictures of his wrist with his watch reading like 4.02am. And, and he's he, like, I'm done with my workout. I'm no, he, he gets up the- at that and, oh, and by like 5.30, he's frying like three eggs and a steak for breakfast. And he just worked out for an hour and you, you should see his workouts. Like he's, he published them online and I just like clicked them for fun. And I, I was like, I don't even know what half of these things are, but they're insane. Like it's, and, and he shows the puddle of sweat, like under his like workout in his garage. Like I do Russian twists on my yoga mat. <laughs> At 1 PM. Yeah. 1 PM. Oh, that's, that's pretty optimistic. That's early. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the quote on the, uh, on the side of give, letting yourself, forgiving yourself and just being present is that, um, the, um, oh God, I don't know how to say this. Some French name, Apollinaire. 
Um, now and then it's good to pause in our pursuit of happiness and just be happy. Yeah. So the idea of sacrifice is like, you know, there'll be unhappiness and suffering in the future if I ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to sacrifice now to make the future better. Um, I can't, always be, I can't be happy now because I'm not at rest. The future needs my attention, not the present, right? Mm -hmm. Now and again, it's, it's, it's good to pause in that pursuit of a satisfying future and just be happy now. You, you're in the future right now, right? Kind of thing. What the meaning is, I think. Like one of the meanings that I was But you can't about. live there all the time. That's what I mean. What's are, meaningful you, is... Somebody else is getting your food, you know? Yeah, what's meaningful, what I mean is not living there all the time, is having those Visiting brief there. moments. Yeah, like you're looking at a sunset or like some clouds and where you go like... Huh, yes. Like, and it wouldn't be as powerful or as meaningful if they happen all the time yeah the, what yeah. makes it so special is it's rare those moments where your your chest opens up yeah. you, the the solar plexus that place where all these like main nerves come together in your chest <sighs> like it, it opens up and, and i think that's that gratitude emotion right yeah which all, as we said in the beginning c connects to discipline and all that that weird kind of way too um so can you just talk about the one resolution we actually talked about and I know we haven't like quite started it yet, but I think we can write January off as a resolution <laughs> oh, month since February we moved. First. And um, well, February is a kind of a weird month, so maybe we should wait until March. But March is the anniversary, anniversary of, of Corona. coronavirus, so that wouldn't work. April. April. Um, oh, my brother's getting married in April. That's, that's going to be true. a We're tough gonna month. Ruin it anyway. So All right, we'll start yeah. in May then. Sounds good. Or you know, you'll be done with work by May, so June first seems like a clean month to start. Correct. All right, so we'll start our resolutions June first, twenty twenty two. Okay, this year, what I thought of doing? Congratulations, you're the only person that thought of this, Yanka. Yeah, um, setting more realistic ones so that I don't like immediately give up. Like for instance, I'm gonna like read a page a day like i'm gonna read something right i'm not just gonna like hate myself being like oh, like every time i'm gonna find myself oh fuck like i failed forget about this i can just pull up a book and read a paragraph or something like it's impossible to fail when your goal is something you can do as soon as you remember you failed it so if you're getting ready for bed you're like oh, i forgot to go to the gym today it's I like still don't meditate <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> constantly on my mind but i'm like so i i had i used to um be trying to keep a streak with my meditation app i think weird. i talked about this once before right that <laughs> look the, who likes pause tv shows and be like give me a second <sighs> deep breaths like the sam 30. harris meditation app had this feature um until I guess July of 2020, where it would show your um, meditation daily streak. And so um, at one point I was in the twenties or something and I was like, this is the highest I've gotten. Now that I've gotten it this high, there's like a record to be set, right? It's like an alcoholic who hasn't had a drink in like five years. It's like, you don't want to lose all that progress by Meanwhile, by the resetting. funny thing is if you miss your actual meditation, there's an option to do like a one minute quick one. Well, so Which is really in nice, this one, but... you just, you could do as little as one minute uh -huh. and it counted as meditating that day. Mm -hmm. And um, when I discovered that I didn't have to do the 10 or 20 minute guided one to get a count, my first thought was like, oh, this is, this is going to be tricky. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, this is a different, different game. But I also realized it made the goal very realistic. Sometimes I didn't find the 10 minutes to sit or I, I could have, I just somehow didn't. But I always, once I knew I could do the minute one, 
I always kept doing it until I didn't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> but know. But that turned into a task to do. Actually, like I, you I, weren't really, you know. I forget. I forget my, in my memory whether I lost the streak or basically the app updated and got rid of that feature. I think it got rid of the feature in in the middle of my streak. That's why I paid so much attention to it. I was like, "Where did my streak go? No!" <laughs> and then he he addressed it in the next um, like published lesson on the app. He said, "Like this is you know I talked to some people and and we finally decided to get rid of the streak because it misses the point. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're what are you, you're building the streak? No, the whole point is like." So what if you missed yesterday? Today's a day too, you know? Like just, it's for right now. You, you, you know, it's not about like your accomplishments in that yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Oh, AC's coming. Yeah, I wonder how much that's going to come over the uh, recording. Certainly a little bit. Um, so yeah, so um, the reading a page a day thing, I really liked when you told me that. Yeah. I want to read more generally. A page is a success. A word or a sentence well, definitely because, a success. Um, I tell my own students this. I say practicing, you know, five minutes, but doing it every day is much more powerful than doing 25 minutes on Friday and that's it. You know, they're picking their nose while you're saying this. So. Right. But the the point still holds. <laughs> For sure. If only if I'm talking to myself. In What's other your words, resolution? Like doing the reading a page every day, you will actually read more than if you read a chapter one one day. Yeah, this video I was like watching was saying even if you read a sentence, it like mathematically calculated how much you're gonna read, and how it's like more than like what you were doing type of thing, you know. Like, and you're not gonna only read a like sentence, obviously. Like, that's gonna keep getting. But the key is to just like do it every day, basically. Yeah. Oh my god, I just remembered a really weird memory. So we starting that in February, actually. June, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered this weirdest memory when I was a kid. This was like back then when. You think like you need, you know, animal milk like or animal like whatever to grow. Like, was that a thing here as well? Oh, you need to drink milk to like grow oh, taller. Oh, yeah, make strong bones. For us, it's like taller. Like for some reason, my parents yeah. always associated that People with People always forced milk down, right? Like, like I hate milk. Oh, I hate, you know it. Wait, I, okay, I'm so disgusted. Would you by. agree with me that anyone who just pours themselves a glass of milk like that's a weird you have thing. psychological problems. <laughs> like I want to take you to a therapist. Like, what are you doing? Them. Drinking milk? Like yeah. what? What? Why? I mean, unless it's chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is good. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Nesquik. Right, it kind of puts a damper to your argument. But, yeah, uh, I would agree with you. Some chocolate milk, especially when you get like chocolate milk from like you're at Whole Foods and you buy that like some fancy farm chocolate milk. This oh, oh man, it's really good. Anyway, so. My parents would like force me. So everybody in my family have like a height complex for some weird reason. Even though I didn't have one, it was implanted like into me. So it was just believed that. Wait, they really thought that if you drank more milk, then y- your your I'll gene expression would make you taller. Oh, like they always thought like I. I mean, didn't obviously, drink- if you are are malnourished, you won't grow as tall. But if you're just eating enough calories, I think. I was also malnourished until I was like six, seven. So I may have like had self more potential. Mal- malnourished. Yeah, self, not by my parents. Yeah. No, they tried really hard. Like yeah, there were so tears so bad, that I can eat. A bad eater. Yeah, I was a bad eater, and then that all changed to once a day. All of a sudden, okay. switch that, flip. Flip that switch. But anyway, they had the system. Like, I remember they were talking to my doctor. Like, oh, how can we make her drink milk? Because I was... The moment that milk would, like, come near me, I would start gagging. Like, like just gross, you know? Anyway, so they start came up with the system. And I remember the keyword in that system. It was called, don't break the chain. It was like, 
every like drink milk every day like every evening and then my mom would be constantly like Yanku, we don't want to break the chain like the key is to like build a habit right like yeah do this every day type of thing anyway like when i hear anything remotely close to that catchphrase like I, my eyes start twitching cause but i would say that catchphrase exists because that's a pretty true concept right? it is but it was um, anyway because a lot of people torturous. Uh, and this is the problem with setting too too high of a bar with your new year's resolution is you have your brain has the logic like you know you miss a day because obviously you'll miss a day if you have to do some you know hour of working out at the gym and and you you're not a gym person you go well i've already i've already messed it up so yeah. Oh well, I guess I guess I am a piece of shit. I can't do it. Yeah, it's easy to say that. I mean, easily. Also, but discipline way, itself is a skill that you can you can get better. Yeah. You know, you can you can develop. You can you can learn. I, again, I think it's if you go too far one way and it doesn't suit your personality, you'll be in conflict and you'll probably fail. Yeah. So you you have to learn how to throw down some reward for the, the part of your brain that needs to just you know be rewarded, be present, right? crack a beer at the end of the day and, and just let go of your problems and watch a TV show and be present with people in your life and all of that. But you also know, have to know how to, you know, get to it, right? Yeah. And, and navigating that balance is going to be specific to each person. But I can guarantee you, if you're having trouble with discipline, check out these links I'm going to send to this Jocko Willink guy. And, you know, just do a little research on what they've gone through in terms of life and being in war and going through Navy SEAL training. And it just makes you realize, yeah, I'm probably not going to become a Navy SEAL. I don't have that kind of discipline. Mm -hmm. But there, there are parts of your mind that you feel awaken when you watch someone like that. And you can see this vision of who you could be if you maximally yeah. nailed the discipline thing. Yeah. But the whole point is you're going to mess up. It's like a thermostat. You're going to go above and then sink below and go above and sink below. And you're going to just go back and forth. And then you're going to die. And then you'll be dead. Guess what hit by? No. Okay. Um, what's your New Year's <laughs> resolution? <laughs> I don't know. I got obsessed. I have to say this because it just came to my mind. Uh, when I read the quote earlier, now and then it's good to pause in the pursuit of happiness and just be happy. Um, what's the true detective quote? that? <laughs> that oh, like, I know. It's oh, he time. says, do you think um, this is a, a guy reflecting um, in an interview about the past and um, there's like a montage of his family going on or something. And he goes, do you think you know the good years when you're in them? Um, or do you only find out that they were the good years when you, or do you get, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, do you think you know the good years when you're in them? Or do you just get ass cancer and find out that you're they already passed oh, by? Yeah, that, that was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I, he says it even better than that. It was just yeah, like a very funny so phrasing. Um, so there's that concept, right? And again, just to bring in meditation, as I like to do pretty much all the time, meditation gives you the awareness to sort of see that you see w which one you're on. You have the mental freedom to consciously allow yourself to let go and be happy in the present, or you have that conscious freedom to engage more with that discipline and and don't get distracted with rewarding your brain and just, you know, aim at something specific and, and be a little bit more disciplined, right? It helps be more of a warrior instead of, um, you know, a, a partier or something, right? It helps with dialing everything to where it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I guess over the long term in life, you should be generally getting better at your thermostat is not spiking so much hot and so much cold, but you're finding this rough approximation 
of wiggling around that that ideal center of balancing discipline with freedom, right? Discipline with being happy and present. And this is why I like watching things like Jocko Willink and and his Sisyphus video or his his good video. He has this whole video where he's like, you got a problem in life, didn't get the job you wanted, good, more time to get better. <laughs> yeah, that's an Didn't get video. the new equipment you needed for that mission, good, you'll be stronger after it. You know, like, and, and you feel something awaken in yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, I love um, watching that when I'm also in a good place with meditation and I can really feel both sides are, you know, right. They're both correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then meditation gives you that freedom of which one am I going to engage with today, depending on what, if you're on vacation, engage yeah. with that freedom and happiness in the present thing. If you need the present moment awareness it gives you that or if you well, need you have the to have future, the mindfulness like, to, to be able to choose yeah, that that's yeah. what i mean like it gives, it gives you, you freedom makes you notice like yeah which one like you're integrating today right and which one is supposed to be activated yes and it what you, kind of day is today yeah and some days we'll both sync up like halfway through the day we'll be like I said today, 50 days out of 365. <laughs> yeah, let's just say sometimes. Um, let's say it's like 2 p.m. or something. And we, we both kind of have the same like energy come across us. There's nothing immediate that needs to be done deadline-wise, you know. It's not like you have an audition tomorrow or a concert or something. So you're just in that general workflow. And we both have like the, on the same day, we think, do you want to just like go drive to a brewery or something and like, stop doing things like <laughs> especially if it's one of those days where you're not getting good work done it just doesn't feel like you you know you can sort of feel when your brain needs more of like a, a reward to just yeah. not grab so tightly onto things and just let go more totally. um but definitely we we egg each other on a lot <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, it's healthy i think i think if i if i live by myself i would fall way too much into that like overly disciplined in a way that i don't even see starts to hurt my work thank right? god you have me like, especially as a musician, it's not like I'm, you know, just my job is not just to punch as many numbers into a computer as I can or something. It's mm-hmm. like part of being a musician is to have that, that wiggliness and, and freedom. Um, so it's a confusing thing, this whole discipline, sacrifice, meditation, just be happy with yourself. You know, in, in Buddhism, I've heard it called um, real compassion versus idiot compassion. Mm-hmm. Have compassion for yourself, but make it real compassion, which also has an equation of the future version of yourself and how much suffering you're putting on that person. Right. You know, the Homer thing, we'll close with that in (laughs) the Simpsons. It's a problem for future Homer. (laughs) Yeah. So Homer's um, in the middle of chugging. He's pouring vodka into a jar of mayonnaise (laughs) and like mixing it all up and just chugging it. And she's like, Homer, what are you doing? Like, you know, don't you want to spend time with your kids? And like, just, he's like, She's like, you're going to really regret it when your kids are older and, you know, you were just getting drunk and whatever. And he goes, that's a problem for future Homer. I really don't envy that guy. (laughs) And that's why the cartoon's so brilliant. It's like (laughs) that he like whenever a character can can say the truth, but not realize how it (laughs) what they're saying, you know, I don't envy that guy. It's like, obviously, you'll be that guy. Right. But that's how it feels when you make a dumb decision in the present. You're like, that's a future me problem. Yeah. You know, good luck to that guy. I always say, <laughs> say that out loud sometimes. That's what I love. Well, yeah, if we decide to do something fun at night and we know we have to get up early, 
but we both have the feeling like we really need a fun thing right now. It just, but we never fuck up also. Like not, I don't want to say never, but we rarely. Not we, you, yeah. You and I have like such a high sense of Especially responsibility. Something that's yeah. not just self-imposed. Like I want to wake up and do that run in the morning. It's like, no, I have somewhere to be. I mean, an appointment with another human. I've never missed one of those. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I've maybe been late. <laughs> Like approximately 20 minutes to every single thing in life. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Depending on the thing. I was never late to anywhere before. I Actually, met I've never been late to a performance. I'm going to knock on wood again. I mean, no, please, please don't be late to a performance. I'm saying so that, that, that proves that like when I'm late to something like teaching or to a car appointment or whatever it is, I'm really there's some element in my brain that knows the seriousness of being late. And, 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 as musicians, we're hardwired with, if you're not there five minutes before the concert starts, like that's the very latest, but you should be there a quarter to if you don't want to make people nervous, right? And if you're there like a minute before, it's like you're playing with fire. Mm-hmm. And then imagine walking in 20 minutes late to a rehearsal. Nothing could make me feel more ashamed of myself. Yeah, walk you know? of shame, basically, definition <laughs> but of that. that. You know, some people just do it. They have No, no even shame. though you have a good excuse, it's still like so awful like to just walk in there like yeah anyway anyway so i think yeah we obviously have categories in our brain that are hyper disciplined and then we have areas that we've allowed more wiggle so in terms of new year's resolutions i'm down to start that reading one i get into reading books sometimes and I'll, I'll, i'll be really good at it and then i'll go a month without really reading a book and i still read things right but usually like shorter attention span things online and I think you're right. Like we could all get better focus and attention span if we do things that are slower and less detached from this craziness of the internet. So I think if we started by saying a page every day in a, of, of whatever book, mm-hmm. chances are high that page would become 10 pages yeah. at least right. or 20 pages. Once you're down, once you're sitting down reading a book, you're like, all right, I did the hard part. It's like, I'm at the gym. I might as well move my limbs. You're not going to show up at the gym and pout. The hard part is getting yourself to the gym and go, like, yeah. I mean, I guess you can see that at Planet Fitness sometimes. But. All right. Well, anything else? Uh, I don't know. I want to. I want to. Speaking of discipline, I want to go snack on some cheese and olives. I was just thinking of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, the whole podcast we're talking about discipline. Meanwhile, the like, most part of our brains are thinking about the snack we're about to have. Amazing. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry, it's been a while. The years. New Year's moving. Uh, New Year's moving, all that stuff. But we will be back. We have some cool stuff coming up. Um, Cool topics for Yanka and I to talk about. Hopefully some guests that we're going to remotely have. And uh, I was thinking about doing a podcast on the drive down, like putting on clip-on mics or something. And then I thought I was barely... We were barely staying. Barely. barely. 21 hours of driving is so much. It wouldn't have been good. All right. Uh, I guess you could close this off with the classic uh, bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.